0: Turn with me to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 verse 1. Jesus had gotten a summons to come see Mary and Martha at Lazarus because Lazarus was sick. And Jesus delayed to come. And Lazarus had died and they had buried him in the tomb. They had these above ground tombs and they put the stone uh, over the tomb to seal the, the tomb. When Jesus got there, he was conversing with Mary and Martha. But finally, he goes to the tomb and he says, remove the stone. And Martha, being the practical person, said, hey, by this time he stinks. Let's not remove the stone. Jesus said, didn't I tell you? If you believe, you'll see the power of God. So they removed the stone. That simple act of obedience... Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came back to life. The power of simple trust in God. We need to trust God so that God's power can be released in our lives. Uh, This scripture that we're looking at today, Jesus is going and he's still exercising his authority as we talked about. But he's also showing different ways That he responds when we put our trust in him. And uh, as we look at these different things that he's doing, he heals a paralytic. Uh, He he actually gives some lessons about the Sabbath and so forth. But Jesus is getting, he's calling them to trust him in a new way. Uh, He's calling them to put their faith in him so that his power. ...can be released in their lives. And there's two groups of people. There's those who are listening and putting their trust in Jesus. And there are those who are rejecting Him and refusing to trust in Him. And their response has everything to do with whether or not God's power will be released in their lives. And so we need to trust the Lord so that as we trust Him, God's power can be released in our lives. The title of my message is The Power of Trusting in Jesus... If you'll look with me at verse 1 of Mark chapter 2, he says, When he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the word to them. They came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.'" But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, "'Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone?' Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, "'Why are you thinking these things in your hearts?' Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up your, take up your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded. And gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Jesus went out again beside the sea, and the whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the toll booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. While he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. When the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he told them, it is not those who are well that need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and asked him, why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, the wedding guests can't fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But a time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new patch pulls away from the old cloth, and the worst tear is made. And no one puts a new wine into old wineskins. Other words... Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost as well as the skins. No new wine is put into fresh wineskins. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest? And ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests, and also gave some to his companions. And then he told them the Sabbath was not made, uh, excuse me, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The power of trusting Jesus. Uh, What powerful works does Jesus do in our lives? As we trust him. Well the first thing I want you to see. Is that he reveals the truth. He reveals the truth. People had gathered to the home where Jesus was saying. And they wanted to hear from him. They, they had put their trust that Jesus could say some things that would help them. And they came and the scripture says here in verse 2. He was speaking the word to them. Can you imagine what it must have been like. To listen to Jesus teach the word of God. Uh, the men on the road to Emmaus said. Uh, uh, Did not our hearts burn within us. As we listened to him. Expound the scriptures. There was something about Jesus teaching. And Jesus revealing of the truth. Of God's word. That just penetrated the hearts of people. And blessed them. God reveals. His truth to us. When we trust him. Uh, I imagine. You've come today. To hear from God's Word. You've come today expecting to hear something from God. With a trust that God has something to say to you. I believe as we come to listen to Him and as we ask God to speak to our hearts. That God loves to speak to us through His Word. And He will do so as we trust Him. Each day that you take time to be with God in His Word and in prayer. And you ask Him to speak to you. I believe he'll speak to you through his word. He'll teach you his truth. And Jesus said this elsewhere. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So what an incredible blessing to hear the truth of God's word, to have it revealed, to, to understand it, to understand how to apply it in life and to live according to the blessings that come to us through God's truth. Paul told Timothy... All Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What good work do you need to do in your life? Can I tell you, God can equip you through His Word. Uh, What correction do you need? Can I tell you, God's Word can help you get onto the right path. Uh, what sin do you have that you need to overcome? God's word can can point you to his power through the Holy Spirit and lead you to victory. So as you come to God and you expect to hear from God in faith, he reveals his truth. You say, well, what is what if the preacher is boring? Can I tell you, God can even use boring preachers. He's used me. Uh, I've told you the story before about the, the most boring people. I was even bored. I was preaching it and I was bored while I was preaching it. I thought, good night, I need to land this plane. And, um, and I can remember being embarrassed, closing, closing down the service. And, you know, I'd been watching people count the tiles and, uh, you know, look around with a, with a blank stare. And, uh, but I closed the service and I thought, I'm going to give one verse of invitation and I'm out of here. And uh, I gave that one verse of of invitation and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, give another. And I gave that second verse of invitation and this man came forward broken with tears and gave his heart to Christ. I want to tell you something, Jesus can shoot a crooked arrow straight and uh, he could even, listen, you come and you come with an expected heart. I've been sitting in the service before. I, I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to the preacher, but I, I've, I've quit listening to the preacher and I was reading through the scripture and God spoke to my heart. When you come with an expectant heart, it's amazing what God can do. Sometimes I've had this happen. This has happened once or twice. Somebody comes out the, out the door and they say, Boy, preacher, I sure liked it when you said, and then they fill in the blank. And I realize I never said that. Apparently, the Holy Spirit communicated that in some way to their hearts. I'm not sure how he did it. But they heard one thing when I said another thing. God can use his word in your life if you come with expectancy and faith. The power of trusting Jesus. First of all, he reveals the truth. Secondly, I love this. He breaks the chains. He breaks the chains. Look at verse 5. Seeing their faith. Jesus told the paralytic sons, your sins are forgiven. Now, he broke two sets of chains that day. This man was paralyzed. Can you imagine what it would be like to go through life not being able to move? Not being able to walk? Not being able to go where you want to go, when you want to go? This man had lived as a paralyzed man, and he was broken in his body. He was chained to one location unless somebody had the grace and mercy enough to move him. But Jesus said to the paralytic, rise, take up your bed and walk. And he was set free. Jesus broke his spirit or his physical chains. I want to tell you something, sometimes we have a physical limitation. Jesus can use us in spite of it or he can take it away. He is able to do that. He breaks chains. D.L. Moody was one of the evangelists most used by God to to touch two nations. Uh, Great power, great anointing in his preaching, but he couldn't talk well. He used bad English. Matter of fact, there's a group of students who was going to speak at Harvard. They would invited him to speak at Harvard. This group of students had come come to uh, make fun of him and to uh, just mock him for his bad use of English. But they came and as D.L. Moody began to preach, the power of God fell on that place. And every single one of those got saved who were planning on mocking D.L. Moody. I want to tell you something, God is able to break chains. Um, But he didn't just break the physical chains, he broke the spiritual chains. Son, your sins are forgiven. Some of you may feel locked in the situation that you're in. You may feel like, I can never change. There's no hope for me. Can I tell you something? Jesus can change you. He's in the business of changing people who are stuck. And he'll bring you out if you'll trust him. Trusting Jesus involves being willing to do what he asks you to do. Uh, Being willing uh, to rest in him as he asks you to rest in him. But he breaks the chains so he reveals the truth as we trust him he breaks the chains thirdly he forgives sin i've mentioned forgiving sin but he says your sins are forgiven but i want to just focus on that for just a second because that's such a marvelous thing the bible tells us that the blood of jesus christ cleanses us from all sin i want to tell you something uh, it doesn't matter what your past has been. Doesn't matter what sins you'll blow, you'll make it you, in the future. The blood of Jesus Christ is able to cleanse your sin. Um, in the Old Testament, they would bring these sacrifices and they would confess their sin. They placed their hand on the top of the lamb or of a goat, they'd confess their sin to God. And then that animal would be slaughtered on the altar of burnt offering. And there was a picture of the transfer of that sin from that individual worshiper to that animal who would then die as a substitute for that individual. But they had to do that every time they sinned. God was ingraining in them this concept of what the Bible calls, uh, this, this. well the Bible doesn't call, theologians call substitutionary atonement. That is, the process by which my sin is placed upon Jesus Christ. Jesus died for my sin at the cross. He died for your sin at the cross. And he said, it is finished. The price is paid. Paid in full. The woman caught in adultery had a a ring of accusers around her. Jesus writes in the dirt, and one by one, we don't know what he wrote, one by one, the accusers begin to leave. He says, where are your accusers? She said, there is no one, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. You see, Jesus' forgiveness reaches to the worst of the worst, reaches to the best of the best. By the way, if you're the best of the best, don't get cocky. Because the Bible says your righteousness is as filthy rags to God. The best that we are cannot merit God's favor. But praise God, there is a way of redemption that has been made possible through His Son, Jesus Christ. And He says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. The wonderful thing about knowing Jesus Christ is he takes away the guilt and he washes your heart clean when you put your trust in him. Uh, some, some of you here today may need to make that decision. You may need to s- choose to surrender to Jesus and trust him for this forgiveness. He'll, he'll forgive you, but he'll not only forgive you, he'll change you and he'll begin to do his work in your life. So, uh, the power of trusting Jesus, what does it accomplish? He reveals the truth. He breaks the chains as we trust Him. He forgives sin. Fourthly, He shows the way. He shows the way. Have you ever been in in a situation in life where you just didn't know what to do? I imagine this guy was pretty confused. You know, he's sitting here on his bed. I mean, what a day. All these people are probably griping because the dust from the roof is falling down on them, you know, and... And it's nasty and it's dusty and everything. And then the Pharisees start criticizing Jesus. Who is this man that says he can forgive sins? God alone can forgive sins. By the way, they were right. But Jesus was God. (laughs) Anyway, uh, in all this confusion, I'm sure this, this paralyzed man's thinking, what am I supposed to do with this situation? I'm so glad Jesus made it simple. He just said, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And so that's what he did. He got up. And I imagine, boy, when he he got up and he could walk, I bet he started jumping. I would have started jumping around. I'd be like, yeah, end zone dance time. I mean, how exciting is this? But Jesus showed him the way. He showed him what to do. He gave him specific instruction in the circumstance that he was facing. I want to tell you something. Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, when you have the one who has perfect wisdom walking through that circumstance with you, He's there to show you the way. He may do it one step at a time. Uh, Henry Blackaby said that following God's will is a lot like uh, sitting in a car with a person who says, Turn here. Turn here. Turn here. We want the map, right? We want the complete directions. We want to know exactly where we're going. But God a lot of times gives us one step at a time. But you can trust Him to do that. You can trust Him to give you the direction that you need. He shows the way as you trust Him. So He reveals the truth. He breaks the chains. He forgives sins. He shows the way. He heals the broken. I love this. Levi. By the way, another name for Levi is Matthew. They probably called him Levi because he was a Levite. Can you imagine how the Jews must have hated the fact that somebody who was supposed to be a part of their priestly tribe was actually working for the Romans, gouging them on their taxes. But Jesus says to Levi, follow me. And Levi leaves his tax collector booth. He leaves his money to follow Jesus. And he gets excited. (laughs) Jesus has called me to follow him. So he throws a party at his house. And he invites everybody he knows. And guess who he knows? All the sinners and people that that the Pharisees don't approve of. And so he calls them together and he says, hey, we're going to have a party. Jesus has called me to follow him. Let's celebrate together. And they all come together and the whispering starts. Jesus is eating with these tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus hears it and he tells them, he says, hey. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. I've not come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. By the way, if you think you're righteous, you're not ready to be saved. Until you get low enough to recognize your own sin before God and in humility can say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You'll never be saved. Everybody is sick. The Pharisees were sick. They just didn't know it. But Jesus has come to call sinners. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus calls sinners? Aren't you glad that Jesus heals the broken? Listen, I want to tell you something. Uh... We can pay consequences for the sins in our lives. We can have brokenness in our lives because of sin. Sometimes our own sin. Sometimes the sins of others. But praise God, we serve a Savior who can come alongside us and pick us up out of the pit where we are and set our feet high upon a rock. Amen. Jesus heals the broken. Many times I've come to the Lord and I've been, he- I've been uh, uh, broken physically, spiritually, or emotionally. And you know what I've found? Jesus is always able to heal me. He's always able. He heals the broken. Mary Magdalene was very broken. She had uh, she lived a life of prostitution. She was inhabited by seven demons. That's some brokenness right there. Jesus casts the demons out of her, and she she puts her faith in him. He forgives her past, and she becomes the first person to witness the resurrection. Talk about a story of grace. Uh, Mary Magdalene became known as part of the key uh, people who were part of the gospel story. This is what God does. He gives us a hope and a future through Jesus Christ. He heals our brokenness. And next, He brings joy. When we trust Him, He brings joy. The Pharisees see the disciples going through the grain field, picking the... By the way, the law said they could do that. But the Pharisees' human tradition that they'd written up, trying to guard the Sabbath and so forth, said that they couldn't. So they were breaking the Pharisees' rules. They weren't breaking Scripture Uh, But uh, they're just kind of going through the field They're picking some and eating some As they go through the field And the Pharisees begin to criticize them For breaking the Sabbath Jesus said Haven't you heard what David did? He ate the bread of the presence That's the bread that was actually in the tabernacle In the holy place That only the priests are supposed to eat That's what it says in the law Haven't you heard what David did? He went in there, and his, he and his men were hungry and ate, ate the bread of the presence. Jesus was trying to draw their attention to the fact that people are more important than rituals. But the fact is, Jesus says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Um, he satisfies the hunger. That we have spiritually. But Jesus also brings us joy. Um, They're talking about the Pharisees fasting, John's disciples fasting. They said, Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? Jesus says, Can the guests of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom's with them? Who fasts at a wedding? Jesus said, The bridegroom's here. It's a time for joy. You see, if the Pharisees had had a heart that was open, Jesus is calling them to put his trust in them so that they could enter the life of joy and fellowship that's found in relationship with Jesus Christ. The disciples were enjoying the time. The Pharisees were bent out of shape. You see, Christianity is not about impressing other people with the good things that you do. Christianity is about a relationship of joy with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the disciples would later fast. Jesus even says so here in the scripture. Uh, There'd be times of fasting. But the purpose of the fasting would be to draw near to God after Jesus had left. And, uh, And there's nothing wrong with fasting per se. But Jesus is pointing them to the relationship and the joy that they're missing. And how do you enter that joy? You enter it by trusting Jesus. Simple trust in Jesus Christ is what begins a relationship with him. So uh, the, the heads of grain. <laughs> so not only he, he brings us joy. He heals the broken. He brings us joy. He also satisfies hunger. He satisfies hunger. And he, he describes what I, what I mentioned earlier about David. Uh, my dad shared with me uh, his testimony. I was growing up, and he'd always wanted to have money. And so he, he set his goal, I'm going to be rich, I'm going to have, have all these things. And, and he began to be very successful in what he was doing in his early adulthood and had uh, quite a bit of money, was planning on the things that he was going to do. And, uh, but he, he came to a point in his life where he asked this question, is that all there is? Everything that he thought would bring satisfaction to his heart left him empty. And that's where he came uh, to, to understand his need for Jesus Christ. And God, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, satisfied the hunger. You see, this, this grain that they were eating, this bread of the presence, Jesus elsewhere says, I am the bread of life. It's not about what kind of bread you eat or where it's been. It's about a relationship with me. And when you put your trust in me and you can enjoy that relationship with me, it will satisfy the deepest hunger of your soul. Will you trust in Jesus? What does Jesus do when we trust him? He reveals the truth. He breaks the chains. He forgives sins. He shows the way. He heals the broken. He brings joy. And he satisfies hunger. You see, it's all about a person. There's no person who's ever lived like Jesus Christ. He's the God-man. And because of who he is, when we put our trust in him, he can do what no one else can do. Uh, a lot of people look at elsewhere, put their trust in a lot of different things. Listen, you put your trust in me, probably I'll disappoint you. But you put your trust in Jesus; He'll never disappoint you. Jesus is able to meet the need of your heart and life. Uh, we're going to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here today, and you say, "You know, I know Christ. I have a relationship with Him, but I've not been trusting Him right now in my life, and and I just want to come to this altar." And tell the Lord, I'm choosing to trust you, Lord. And I'm also asking for the filling of the Holy Spirit so that I can trust. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And the Bible says the fruit of the Holy Spirit is faith or faithfulness. And so uh, you can ask God to trust through you. Most of us are like this with our faith, right? But when you're down in that low area of time, you can call on Jesus and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And he can take you up out of that low place and bring you to the place you need to be to trust in him. And so if you need to come and ask or if you'd like me to pray with you, I'd be happy to do that. But maybe somebody here today and you don't know Jesus Christ. um, The Bible says that Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus died so that the broken relationship that you have with God due to your sin could be mended. And you could be reconciled to God. And, um, he asks us to do two things. And both things are a step of faith. He, he asks us to surrender our lives to follow him. Uh, the Bible calls this repentance or confessing Jesus as Lord. But this, this idea of surrender. Lord, I, I choose to surrender my life to follow you in simple trust. Uh, it also involves receiving what Jesus has offered. i mentioned the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life. This gift of God that Jesus Christ alone can bring is received in simple faith, simple trust. And so if you're ready to surrender to Jesus and receive that simple gift of eternal life in faith, I'm going to just ask you to come here in just a moment as we begin to sing. To the front where I'll be standing. And and, uh, just tell me I'm ready. And I'll know what you're talking about. Okay. And uh, we'll pray together. And you can make this commitment that you need to make. And you'll know where you're going to spend eternity. You'll have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, You'll be adopted into God's family. And he'll begin the process of changing you from the inside out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the amazing power. Of just simply trusting you. Lord I know that there are people here today. That um, are probably struggling to trust you in some way.